0: Changing the world, one beef at a time.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey, Patrick, how you doing?
0: Hello, Andy. <laughs> I'm gonna figure out a good, a good, you know, like. Remember Robin Williams in the movie Good Morning Vietnam? You know. Mm-hmm. I need. We need something like that.
1: Okay. Enough. That yeah, I mean that would be good. I I have been enjoying the the different ones you come up with each week. <laughs> really really gets me in the mood to talk.
0: <laughs> so, just testing, just testing. Yeah. <laughs> good UX but, principle to test. I'm user testing on you, Andy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's that's good. You you always got to be user testing in every aspect of what you do.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that guy? I don't know if he still does it anymore, but back in the day uh, in boxing matches, he had that, the mic would come down from the top. I can't remember his name, like Michael. His name was like Michael Jackson or Johnson or something. And it'd be like, he'd be like, uh, are you ready to rumble? And he'd do that whole thing. To oh, be yeah. That guy?
1: Yeah. I think he shaped a lot of a lot of who everybody is now. <laughs> are you ready to rumble yeah. guy? <laughs>
0: Well, he'd make like he'd make like millions of dollars at every appearance or something like that, and the and his voice and everything was like trademarked somehow. Yeah, and that's all he it's did, like, right? Couldn't do it. That's all he did. He yeah, just came off and did. said
1: that and then walked away, drove home,
0: <laughs> come in like with a tux on, you know, say it, and then just step out and be like, "All right, <laughs> cash that check, go home, do it again next Saturday." Yeah,
1: but the thing is, like. We think that job was really easy, but probably what he had to do is just not talk. Just can't use his voice for the entire, you know, until the next <laughs> match. Yeah. <laughs> he, would, he had like a really hard life, actually. Just, just getting that voice ready to be perfect for the are you ready to rumble in the next match.
0: <laughs> yeah. Michael Buffer is his name. Okay. Ring, ring announcer Michael Buffer.
1: That's so cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Such an awesome job. Even if you some, even if you couldn't talk for a week, <laughs> that's an awesome job. Still,
0: <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. I mean, not talking for a week—that might be yeah. kind of difficult. But I mean,
1: you might I like think have you'd like. you'd
0: be better at it than me.
1: I don't. Like, I don't know. Talking. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. I can definitely not yeah. talk for a very long time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm just, like, happy in my own head, Patrick, you know.
0: Yeah. It would be nice to be like that sometimes. Just to be happy in your own head.
1: You should try it. It's nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I got a ways to go, according to my therapist, Andy. So.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm sure the inside inside your head is nice. It's a lovely place, you know. You just got to make sure to enjoy it, you know, take advantage of it every once in a while. You know, give yourself, give yourself some time to get to know yourself, Patrick. And then, yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta manage yeah. that relationship. It's a, it's a love language thing. It's, you gotta know what, what, what Patrick wants, what he needs. <laughs> if You treat Patrick nice. He's going to treat you nice right back. <laughs> uh yeah that's my advice for the day
0: (laughs) thanks thanks for the uh yeah maybe you should be a therapist maybe you're in the wrong i am i am a therapist i
1: i I have a microphone in front of my face um so yeah (laughs) you you gotta listen to what i gotta say i'm (laughs) i know what i'm talking about so i'm technically a therapist just not licensed you know
0: yeah yeah well and who needs to be these days right all you got to oh, have absolutely. is 10 eleven thousand followers on Instagram and mm-hmm. you're an expert.
1: yeah that's how this world works
0: <laughs> and then all those people will believe everything you say Andy yeah yeah so do you, do you find it ironic though that the people here's a, here's a weird here's a weird question Andy do you philosophically do you find it ironic that in our day and age today the people who call each other sheep, right, like online or in real life or whatever, like you just believe everything that you see, are literally the ones that believe everything that they see. Do you find that? Do you find funny? Like, do you find that funny that there's a big irony there?
1: <laughs> um Yeah, I would say it's, it's probably a little bit more sad than funny, I think, Patrick. <laughs> I don't know. We we have a problem with with our our the, the information age, and I, I think it's interesting. I could go into this whole thing, and I've heard about this before. It's it's something called filter failure that we have experienced now. Where mm-hmm. long time ago there were so many filters in terms of getting content to people, getting information to people. They had to go to a library. That that book had to be published, and in order to be published, it had to be like you know th- through a, a a good publisher that that wants to say that this book is good and you know there's so many like filters to get information to people and now the there's just no there's no filters there's like no um friction to get information out to other people so all the information has to be is just literally information doesn't have to be true it doesn't have to be factual and because there's so much information out there you know you just kind of you can pick and choose from the millions of people that tell you the things that you want to hear. And so, yeah, then yeah. you're just searching for that stuff. So we have a problem in the information age, uh, which I, I think that we can potentially help with that as UX designers. As a, in a general industry in UX, we can potentially help with getting people the right information. You know, depending on what, what sort of products or what sort of experiences you work on as a UX designer, dear listener, um, consider, you know, definitely allowing people to get the right sort of information. Well, also, I, I think it's important to democratize information in a way. But it's also important to make sure that information is, uh, I guess, valid. <laughs> so this is yeah. a very, I think, deep discussion that's definitely big. But um, I think I think that is potentially kind of what you're talking about, Patrick.
0: Yeah, I think, well, I think, you know, you bring up a good point with being UX designers. And I think a lot of what you see, a lot of, a a lot of sort of the pollution in social media is a direct result of unethical user experience practices, right? Or, Mm -hmm. or abuse of that thing, right? Like, instead of, instead of empathizing with a human and instead of providing a human with a better tool to do their, to, to be to live a better life, I think in a lot of in a lot of ways companies like Facebook and stuff have have just just truly manipulated people instead, right which I think is fundamentally unethical as a UX designer but yeah so I think I think there's a lot of responsibility there you know from from those people that you know decided to make those decisions back in the day um, yeah. And it, it's it's interesting to me because it, I think the speed the speed at which it happens and it's happened, you know, just that just that's just how fast and quickly information has gone from, you know, like well, like if you look at if you look at sort of misinformation historically, just in the last twenty or thirty years, like just twenty years ago, it was tabloids. That's what it was yeah that's what a tabloid was right and it's gone from now going from tabloid to being your crazy uncle in an email to everyone in your family on instagram right like it's Uh gone the pace at which that misinformation and lies and everything spread throughout the media is so much faster because yes like you talked about the filter thing like that that there was a lot of filter mechanisms for those things right like yep. even the location in the store was you know you knew just because it was located there that it was trash like you just knew it was <laughs> and you didn't have to worry about it yeah <laughs> you know but now but now it, now it just doesn't matter and and it's so easy to fake right it's just everything's so easy to fake now that it's you know like if you're not doing your due diligence when you see information on the on the uh, information superhighway, right? Mm-hmm. Like half the people don't even check to see if something is fake or not before and, they just have, throw a hissy fit about it and send it to everybody they know. You know, it's like
1: well, and that's a big problem because that's hard to do. It's hard to really look up and find out what's fake because you might find other fake news that's <laughs> going to cooperate <yeah>. with what <laughs> the fake news you already have. So it's like it's. And that's fundamentally the, the worst problem is because it's it's actually putting more on the users on the the, the content um, consumers to actually find out if this content is true or not, and they're not going to do that. No one's going to take no. you know hours to figure out if it's true. They're just going to be like, oh, this resonates with my beliefs. It's got to be true, and <laughs> then we're in we're in yeah. trouble. So I feel like that's that's where we as as UX designers can potentially and I don't have any of the solutions in mind, but I feel like <laughs> that's where we can um, potentially add some solutions there. Like how how can and I've seen some examples of this, right, in, in social media, but how can we actually make sure that this information that's being shared is is accurate? You know, how, how can we allow users yeah. to to better research this information from from, you know, uh, good sources, you know, that are reputable, something like that. So I don't know. It's lots of big problems there, but I, think we...
0: I like I like it too because, like, from a design standpoint, you know, with all the misinformation in the last year or so, and sort of like the crackdown from like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, like what the the decision, the design decision was made just to label it as like this is potential misinformation, uh-huh. which is hilarious to me because not only are you calling it out as something that it, it you know like you you're actually highlighting it you know mm-hmm. for one thing but but then you're also you're also just you're just also like feeding the machine of conspiracy you know like <laughs> yeah, if true. if the person reading the post already thinks that there's a conspiracy going on to have a company like Instagram or Facebook or something label it possible conspiracy It's like, see, (laughs) I told you they're coming after me, which then just perpetuates the issue. Right. It just it just makes them and their followers like I've seen people post stuff about, see, I posted this. They're on to us, blah, blah, blah. Like it just feeds it and feeds the it just sort of feeds the machine of that conspiracy even more. Mm -hmm. So it's like it didn't do anything other than. You know, like th- there might be a handful of people who are like, oh, OK, that's probably misinformation, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people who are into that stuff already are, are just using it as more fodder to make sure that their followers and whoever they're sharing with become more ingrained in it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy.
1: It is. It's it would crazy. be a good
0: topic for a podcast, I think. <laughs> I think or so like too. a series think, of podcasts.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really big topic to go over uh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, and again, I have no idea like how to fix that problem. Um, but that's that's a great point. like maybe the ideas that were implemented potentially made that worse. <laughs> so,
0: yeah,
1: yeah um, it's
0: like do you do you know I'm watching this documentary yesterday on Hulu. About the Big Brother magazine, which I think was a magazine you probably did. Did you just subscribe to Big Brother magazine, Andy? It was the skateboard magazine back in the day that was like pornographic and had horrible things in it. <laughs> which, which then sort of spawned the. It's that that was like the thing that spawned Jackass. Was like really okay? You know, Knoxville and all that stuff were a part of the Big Brother thing, and hmm. and then it sort of spawned Jackass, sort of spawned out from there. So it was, it was that kind of like mentality like that's kind of the way that magazine was but the the irony of the magazine was is they they would write horrible things they would write these horrible articles as sort of like a joke right like they would write an article like how to commit how to kill sui- or how to kill yourself you know commit suicide sort of like as a joke making fun of like the how-to videos of other skate things you know okay just as a joke for themselves right sort of and then it would cause a controversy, and then the people that were really upset about it, I think rightfully freaking so, right? Like, I would probably be upset about it, too. Just called more attention to it,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: then made more made more teenage boys want to <laughs> buy the magazine, which I think is very similar to, like, what the information thing is dealing with, what we're dealing with now is, is like, it's the same thing of, like, it's the same same philosophy is like if you have and this is going to get heavy andy if you have like a mass shooting situation and the media exposes who the mass shooter was mm-hmm. you know it like it's sort of just it it makes it more it, it just exposes it even more and gets more people interested in to all of these different things and just causes more um it causes more harm than good in the long run because it's just it's creating more conflict right yeah Rather than sort of burying it and saying, like, you know, just reporting the news. So I, it's an interesting effect that I think we deal with in all of that stuff is anytime we, anytime there's some sort of correction in it, from a design standpoint, it usually just calls it out, <laughs> which then just creates a bigger <laughs> pool of controversy. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, no, to tie I mean, it into that. That's absolutely true it's absolutely true i i think in a very macro level like it kind of reminds me of the experiences where like um when when you go like in it you're on like some sort of form uh that you have to fill out some sort of software you know and you're you're in the software you see a bunch of forms and it's those experiences that like show error messages before you've actually done an error like <laughs> like you haven't filled out your name yet. it's like I know I haven't filled it. Out. I just I haven't clicked on the field yet, but it's like red it's an error message like trying to say like you have to do all these things. It's like calling that out first as a problem before it's actually mm. a problem and it, it makes it way more dramatic and you know way more like oh I'm I'm doing something wrong as a user even though I haven't done something wrong yet. It kind of reminds yeah. me of that I think in a <laughs> very very macro level sort of way. Um, to bring this very very small, but yeah, it's absolutely true i think I think you need to be very cognizant of of how you're you're telling a story, how you're um uh, giving information to the people that you're you're serving, the people that you are designing for uh, because yeah, you can have a lot of different effects on them in many ways that you maybe even haven't considered, so I think that yeah. they're we can see, it's a lot easier to see now in, in, you know, looking in the past, um, you know, hindsight is 2020. 20. It's easier to see like, okay, we, we see some mistakes that happened back then. Um, you know, we, we could try to avoid those mistakes and learn from the past uh, for sure. But yeah, it's definitely hard to know everything that your design or the information that you're giving to the world, um, how it's going to affect <laughs> the world and, and have that. So we'll definitely make mistakes always, but it's important to look at the past and understand uh, what has gone wrong in terms of information sharing, in terms of how you're doing a, a UI, how you're um, doing a design um, overall, what, what sort of information you're sharing to your users or, or audience uh, so that you can, <laughs> I think, try to do it the best way possible to um, give them the right information, um, to make decisions, to you know, know things so, lots of things to consider. I think that, that we've unpacked with that. I think very inter- interesting <laughs> opening, Patrick. But
0: <laughs> it's better it's, than talking about our top ten sitcoms, right? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Patrick. <laughs> that, was, that was very. That was way too uh, professional for us. I think.
0: <laughs> that was a little bit heavier of a cold open than we're used to, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> What uh um Um okay, well what's what's our real topic? Watch it be ethics and design. 'cause it'd be great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thank goodness. I we we haven't actually received any sort of uh at least to my knowledge, looking at this list, any sort of ethical questions in design. Man.
0: <laughs> that
1: would be such a deep, heavy <laughs> topic we haven't received yeah. any of those yet so if you are as a listener interested in that you can send us those topics if you really want to uh, but yeah i think we're we good should, i think we Patrick, do... we're gonna dodge that bullet for today
0: yeah we should we should though we should take ourselves a little bit too seriously and put together a panel about ethics and design and then do like a three-hour <laughs> podcast like it like a special you know like a A very special design, much special. (laughs) And then then, as long as it's that title,
1: (laughs) very special design, much special. As long as we call it that I'll do anything. (laughs) I think that's so good. (laughs) That's, that's great. Uh, We should, we should take ourselves more seriously, Patrick. That's a good idea.
0: Do you think so? Do you think that's something that the design world needs, Andy? Is more designers that take themselves too seriously?
1: Well, I think as, during this cold open we're like trying to take ourselves seriously but we're laughing the whole time. So maybe <laughs> Maybe it's kind of a good like, I don't know. A good way we're to approach it. We're both thinking
0: like we're both thinking like, hey, we're way in over our heads on this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And this isn't going to end well.
1: Let's steer it to talking back about like, Bruce Willis or something, yeah. so we can. <laughs> yeah,
0: I do have. Hey, for we should start a beef segment where we beef about stuff. I have. Let's start that right now. Okay. I have a. I have a beef, Andy. Um, what's my beef? That's my beef, Andy. Is Twitter. Um, you had me get back on Twitter. Some other people had me get back on Twitter because they said it was a little bit different than it used to be, which I think it is. I think it's a little bit different. It's not as much arguing and fighting, but <laughs> hmm. I do I do have a problem with it with the this concept of design Twitter cuz it's really truly a bunch of people that have taken themselves just way too seriously in life. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like there's just so much like they're all they all say that they're not influencers of some kind, but they all are. And they're all just like, I don't know, it just feels like there's just too much, like, there's not enough room for, for fun, there's not enough room for play, unless you mm. have, like, a snarky design attitude, you well, know? And I'm like,
1: but wait, wait, I just don't on.
0: enjoy that that much.
1: But who, when a company comes out with a new logo, Patrick, who is going to be there to tell them how horrible it is? There has to be a big group of people that's going to freak out and and just like just trash all over a a new logo redesign there has to be like if we don't have (laughs) design twitter then who's going to do that
0: i would love i would love i would love it to be that that's like honestly i would love it to be that where it's like that's what design twitter actually does is just sort of have fun with it right but then what happens is is they people release a new logo then all the people come out and give their analysis right instead of saying hey that looks like a donkey's butt you know <laughs> something fun like it truly does they bring out some like analysis like <laughs> ten, 10 twitter post analysis about how the logo's not effective and then some other guy chimes in or some other girl chimes in about how they're wrong yeah and then three days later they're all saying like they're all making jokes about design twitter making fun of logos again and it's like you were the ones that did it, don't you understand like it's like it's pure self awareness it's like there's there's like zero self awareness at all, right? like these people are posting stuff on here that's way too serious about a subject that doesn't matter to anyone right and then and then when it kind of blows up, then they all come back and say, "Yeah, those idiots that were so serious about it, it's like, yeah. oh my gosh." Yeah, can we and, just get back to making fun of the Airbnb logo? Can we just <laughs> can we just do that? I mean, is that
1: that's exactly what when, when you just said a donkey's butt, that's the, that's the logo that came to mind, Patrick. <laughs> that's why I'm like laughing so hard in the background because it's exactly what I was considering.
0: <laughs> that was the be- those were the better days of design Twitter when people were just putting the like. Taking a picture of a back of a sheep and putting the Airbnb logo on it, and then just putting it out there on Twitter, not saying a word, no analysis, no like there wasn't a there wasn't a mention of visual hierarchy anywhere it was just a funny picture, and we all chuckled, yeah, and then went about our day, right We all chuckled and went, you know what I can't design a better logo, but that's funny, you know <laughs>
1: And I think that's great. And I th- okay, here's a, here's a good takeaway. Cause I feel like the analysis thing is, is probably the big problem. It's like, you know, well, will you know, it's, it should be this and this because of this and this reason, right? It's the, will actually sort of people. Um, yeah. I think the problem with that is you should give analysis when somebody asks you for analysis, <laughs> specifically the person that like designed it like let's say you're in a critique right patrick and you have a you're 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 in a critique with airbnb like it's the the day before they're going to launch the logo you're doing a big design team critique because you're a you're a designer airbnb and they they show that logo and they're just like i just wanted to show this i I want feedback on the color you know but instead (laughs) you're like you give them all this feedback about you know the how it looks like a A sheep anus or a donkey butt or whatever, and or or here's like here's all the this curve is just wrong and it's just you know going into like all this detailed analysis when they didn't ask for it, like you should give analysis when they specifically ask you for analysis, otherwise nobody asked you, (laughs) nobody nobody needs to know it, what your thoughts are, (laughs) yeah, so I think it's fine to give. (laughs) <laughs> to give to have fun with things like what you're saying, I think that's funny. Um, but yeah, going into that detailed, you know, analysis is probably the the thing that nobody really needs. <laughs> Airbnb is not taking your taking points from you. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I don't know, but I don't know. I think that shouldn't complain
0: because no, shouldn't complain because it's a public forum, and if somebody's yelling about something stupid, I can ignore it, right? Like that's. Yeah, you can. I should. I should be a better person and be like, whatever. I'm not going to follow you anymore. You take yourself way too seriously.
1: I think. I think that's the best thing about the social media that I think a lot of people don't realize. That I think I've talked about this before too. Is you know the you people that say <laughs> I'm, I'm quitting Twitter because it's just so horrible. But Patrick, you can follow anyone you want, and you can you know hide anyone you want that you don't want to follow.
0: Yeah, no, it is true. I can create my own little, yeah, little, uh, your little, little, information,
1: <laughs> exactly. Which is good and well, bad <laughs> going back little, to our uh, initial conspiracy topic. theory of,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if someone's being kind of a, I don't know, a jerk on Twitter, you can just, yeah, stop listening to them find the people that that just the post the the pictures of the Airbnb logo on a sheep spot and just follow them.
0: Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, the, I think the problem is, is the people that post regularly are not those people. True. You know what I mean, so then your feed gets flooded with all the people that take themselves too seriously. And then you can't filter down through, you know what I mean? Sure. It's hard to filter that kind of stuff. Filter failure, Patrick filter failure
1: Thanks for that beef though you I appreciate filter that.
0: filter failure <laughs> We should do that yeah. next time. If you have a beef next time, we should have a little beef segment every, yeah. every episode maybe <laughs> or every other one.
1: Just take some time to complain about something. I like it. Well, and That's maybe great.
0: <laughs> maybe we get into some real beef too sometimes. Maybe we, you know, you know, hey, maybe we call out, you know, Spool or something. Be like, "See, this is what I got a beef with Spool, you know? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I got a beef with with, uh, whatever, you know? Adobe XD. I got a beef with Figma. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And maybe yeah, we get a sponsor. Maybe good we to get, know. like, a beef jerky sponsor. Kind of like what Jim Rome does, you know? <laughs> He's got the beef jerky sponsor. And he has the beef segment.
1: Okay. Nice.
0: Maybe it's Maybe the beef segment is just, like, you know, like, like, uh, you know, whoever designed my car put the stereo knob too far away from my hand or something, you know, something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's just that simple. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I got, I got some beef for you, Patrick. I, I totally have one. Yeah. Actually, I've been considering totally this t- one. I, I have one. <laughs> I have one. So. So, I'm Patrick. I'm a person who wears glasses, and I don't know about other glasses wearers, but I don't wear my glasses in the shower. So, <laughs> my beef, Patrick, is I always like this. Is a it's not exactly, I guess it kind of is a UX design problem, but anyway, like knowing the difference between the shampoo bottle and the conditioner bottle is always way too hard they're typically designed the exact same way but then there's a very small font that says this is the shampoo and this is the conditioner (laughs) and that's my beef patrick these labels are way too small from far away without my glasses because i don't wear glasses in the shower i don't know does anyone wear glasses in the shower do you wear glasses in the shower patrick
0: um no i just i wear goggles (laughs) you wear goggles (laughs) i wear swimming goggles no, I don't Dang wear it! Maybe I should just be shower? wearing
1: goggles. Do you wear contacts? Are oh, you a contact person, right?
0: No, I just, I just, we've talked about this. I just deal with being mostly blind. That's right. Okay. Because yeah, I don't, you're... I don't want to wear, yeah. <laughs> I
1: want to wear that stuff. You just deal with being blind. But,
0: but, but no, I agree with you because I think even, even for me, I don't wear glasses all the time. Um, but when I'm in the shower, I, I have, to, you have to look at both of the bottles.
1: Yeah, every time. You gotta be I like, have, okay, I'm which doing one? This... Every time I'm doing this process, I have to pick up the bottle. This one says shampoo. And I'm just like not gonna take enough time to, to memorize them. I don't know. Maybe they could yeah. be designed differently. It could have like a big old shampoo label or something, because that's that's the biggest thing to me. I don't care what the brand name is. I don't care what the the flavor or scent of it is, which is always bigger. Um yeah. what I care about, Patrick, is is this shampoo or is it freaking conditioner? And it's it's no, like you, the, the lowest priority to whoever designed these bottles.
0: If you pull if you pull up, like if I had a bottle of conditioner right here, we could we could talk about it, but like if you pull up visually, what's the most important thing, right? It's always the brand name, that's always it, right? Obviously, blah blah blah, it's marketing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh so we got that, and then the next thing, you're right, the next thing is whatever scent they're putting in. The thing that cracks me up the most is the thing that probably has the most visual hierarchy on any of those bottles is the fake dumb holistic ingredients they have in them? You know, like, yeah, they're like made from koala fur or whatever. You know, like mm-hmm. it's all bunched, it's all weird <laughs> stuff, acai berry, biotin, whatever the crap it is. That's the stuff that's the most important. But to your point, that doesn't change. Like, not. I mean, that's not the stuff that's most important. They say it's the most important, right? Because they're trying to sell you crap at the store. That's why. That's why that design exists. Yeah. There hasn't been anybody in that marketing graphic design team because it's a marketing graphic design team that has looked at the user experience of a bottle. You might have had like IDEO looking at the user experience of a bottle, but they ignore the label. You know, they're just talking about making the grip bigger or whatever. But like, yeah, when you actually use it, it's a huge problem. Like yeah. when I'm when I'm when I'm washing my hair or something, like the two bottles, like I got the two Paul Mitchell bottles. They look exactly the same and the the difference between them and one of them doesn't even say conditioner it says freaking detangler or something it's got some (laughs) jargon in there for hair people that i don't even i'm like i don't know what that is
1: everyone's hair people
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what you and what paul mitchell and all the paul mitchellettes like i don't know what they talk about all day long but the rest of us call it the rest of us call it conditioner not detangler yeah. So I'm in the yeah I'm in the shower going okay well I think that was the shampoo, you, and and the writing's always like artsy too. It's so you have to turn it sideways, uh-huh. you know. It's never like straight up. It's never like so you got to turn it sideways to like read the font, and then it's little. It's like okay shampoo, and then you pull the other one. It's like detangler. And you're like I guess that's it's not shampoo, so it must be. I don't know
1: it's it's absolutely true and i I love that point because all they care about with with their visual hierarchy they're caring about you're at the store and you're looking at all the different you know shampoos and conditioners and they think oh it's really about the brand i really want to buy dove because i'm such a huge dove fan so i'm going to look for dove that's the biggest thing the next biggest thing is what you said is all those like dumb ingredients that are there as well so that they can you know care about the environment um by using their shampoo and then the the smallest thing is yeah the shampoo or conditioner but the the way they're really using this product every day is by knowing whether it's shampoo and conditioner what is what (laughs) type of 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 body soap is this i need to know so i can use it and they just don't care about that and maybe there just haven't been enough people on podcasts complaining about it to have them fix that problem so i hope that we we have done a good service today
0: I think that's really gonna be the power of the beef segment in this podcast is I think today we've changed people's minds. I think the next beef segment again, we might tackle another industry, change their minds, right? Yeah. Um, so i think I think that's the real power in it. So I'd love to see this segment continue, and maybe we even maybe we even have like a little jingle or something too with it. you know, like changing the world, one beef at a time, something like that.
1: oh man we just found how did you just come up with that jingle just that was on the spa right or have you been thinking about this that's, for a while Patrick
0: that is how easy marketing is I'm just telling I'm just telling you right now that's how easy it is like I am not a very talented individual I just came up with a multi-million dollar jingle you did right off the top of my head
1: oh marketers you better watch out Patrick is coming for you incredible It's awesome And (laughs) listeners, if you guys, if you have any, any beef, uh, beeflets that you want to submit to us, let us know. We can cover some of your, your beefs, beeflets. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) More people on the internet complaining about things, Patrick.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Be Perfect. That's all we need. Do we? We're thirty. We're about thirty-six minutes in. What is the topic for today? And do we have? Do we have a ten-minute topic we can, we can crank out?
1: Well, let's see. So this topic that has been randomly chosen, I think we can, we can talk about this one pretty quick. Um, it kind of has two parts to it. Um, so this was sent in by an anonymous user, so uh, an anonymous listener. So they didn't give us a name, so we can call them Meredith. So Meredith wrote in, she wants to know, it's kind of a two part thing, how to speak up and be heard as a designer.
0: How to speak up and be heard as a designer.
1: Yeah. So we've had an episode before that was specifically covering how to speak up
0: mm-hmm. with, we with Alison
1: Zubal. And that was an excellent episode. So we can cut this question in half, Patrick, <laughs> um dear dear listener thank you so much for telling you know wanting to know how to speak up there's a wonderful episode where allison used you know way more knowledge than you and i can you know think of patrick to to talk about how to speak up so um check out that episode uh, we'll have to look up the number later um but it's a wonderful episode so patrick
0: very good episode
1: how do you how do you be heard as a designer
0: um yeah i think i think you need to put yourself in a place to be heard i think that's the first that's the first part right um i think you need to put yourself in a position to to be heard so um whether that's you know putting yourself in a in a position like in like in a meeting you know with a bunch of individuals that need to hear what you're going to say um, whether you need to set up some time with the stakeholders um that kind of thing i think that's the first thing that, that to me, that's the first step is just sort of formulating what you need to, what you are trying to say. And then if need be, um, finding the space to say it in, right. Um, finding mm-hmm. the venue to say it in. And then, and then at that point, I mean, practi- you know, f- for practicality sake is like, is literally saying it. Right. And I think that's where we, uh, that's where the design industry, I think lacks sometimes is either, it's two things in my mind it's it's either we we don't exactly know what we're trying to say like we we have an idea of how we're feeling or whatever it is or that kind of thing but we we haven't quite written it down um i i would say this kind of goes back to what you were talking about a few episodes ago about um one-on-ones and writing that stuff down like writing your goals for a one-on-one down before you go into a one-on-one i think it's super wise to do that if you've got you know, if you've been thinking about something that you need to speak up about, um, you know, at work or in, with a design team or a development team or whoever, right? I think it's good to formulate it. It's good to write it down, get it out, see what the purpose is, all that kind of stuff, so that you have it. I think the other thing too is communicating it properly. I think is always a little bit difficult for designers, especially outside of the design world. I think even inside of the design world, when you get too caught in the, 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 the the jargon of design, right? Kind of like what we talked about earlier with like the detangler. Like <laughs> if you get caught up into that world too much and you're trying to communicate to other people, um, you're going to lose, you know, you're going to lose your point. So yeah, I think it's good to try to make it as crisp and clear and clean as possible. Find a good venue to say it in, right. Figure out the right time to say it in and then say it. Um, but it doesn't hurt to plan it out. I mean, I think people yeah. want to be better, at saying stuff spontaneously, but if you're not saying anything now, like start planning it out better. And then eventually you'll get comfortable with, you know, more spontaneous communication that way, but.
1: Absolutely. And I I think that way, I love that a lot. Like taking the time to, to figure out, okay, what's the venue I'm gonna, you know, say that first, figuring out, as you said, like figuring out what it is I'm gonna say, right? Figuring out the venue and figuring out like, uh, kind of planning out how you're gonna say it so you can say it effectively, right? Um, I love that. I think that's really important to consider those things. And now, there's something else I think that I want to explore a little bit more in terms of like being heard. So I think what you were talking about, Patrick is like what the designer can do from their side of things to to, you know, actually say something, to communicate something. I think the next part, and they're working on, you know, communicating something, communicating something effectively. and that's really important. The next part is um, actually being heard is like, you know, the other party listening and hearing it, like actually understanding it. And then, you know, when you, when you hear something uh, you kind of absorb it, you take it in and it's, it's, you know, part of you now kind of, you know what I mean? Um, And I think that comes from like, like having trust and having influence as a designer. So definitely comes from like, if, if let's say I'm an executive, let's say I'm, I'm an engineer and there's this designer talking to me, like, at what point am I going to really listen? At what point is, is this information going to be something I'm going to use? And I think that this information is going to be um, something I'm going to use when it's actually valuable to me. So if I find this information to be helpful for me to do my job, for me to understand the user better... Uh, then I'm going to be like, oh, this is great. I, like I'm resonating with this information. So if, if we're actually preparing the right information as a designer, you know, to say it in an effective way, but if this information is actually, or this thing that I'm sharing, this thing that I'm speaking up about is actually valuable to other individuals, I think that's the most important part. And over time, I'm, if I see that you as a designer are actually bringing value to me, I'm gonna really listen every time you speak because I, I know what you bring to the table. I know that you give me that user perspective. Um, I know that you um, help me understand how I can be more effective at my job because you consistently do it. You've actually kind of gained influence as a designer. So I'm gonna listen, I'm not just gonna listen, I'm gonna seek out you know advice from that designer. I'll go walk up to him and uh, you know ask for help or ask for, Um, what they need or include them in projects and all that sort of stuff. So I think as a designer, if you are doing design well in terms of being able to bring the user perspective to the table of a company, then I think those individuals, as they see that, they're going to realize, oh, I I need to continue working with that person. I need to continue asking them questions and listening to what they say, because every time I do makes things easier for me to do my job. So I think to be heard, you absolutely have to be prepared. You have to get the information, you have to share it in a really good way that's effective. but you also have to have influence first. And I think to do that, you have to always make sure you're providing value to those that you're speaking to.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about, about gaining that influence. We talk about a lot that. we talk about that at work a lot, um, especially with like the design managers is trying to figure out, <clears throat> when you're when you're growing in your career and you hit that senior you know senior designer level and you're like okay, I'm, I want to move up to the next level, or I want to you know maybe I want to move into leadership or do I want to be a principal designer? What what all of those paths are right? The one thing we talk about a lot is is understanding your influence and understanding what how you influence people. Um, and it is interesting that you bring that up because I think a lot of people aren't necessarily good at influencing people through communication that way, like direct, you know, oral communication. Mm -hmm. Um, and so sometimes it's, sometimes it's your influence is, is gained in different ways. Sometimes it's gained in the production, like your design production that you have, or it's communicated through the UI that you create or the experience that you create, or sometimes it's, it's better communicated, you know, via, you know, memos, notes, messages, Slack, whatever. Um. And so your influence can change, and I think it's important that you understand what that influence is and how you influence people, um, because you want to play to your strengths, obviously, yeah. when you're trying to communicate. You know, like I, I think all of us, you know, the, we all have little areas of improvement that we could make, especially probably in the communication, you know, world, because we're all humans and communication is like the most difficult thing we could do. But I think yeah, finding finding how you influence people. Um, is, is a, is a good way to do it. And a lot of people are good at influencing people in larger groups, right? And some people are good at influencing people in small groups or one-on-one situations. And so you have to figure that out as well, Mm -hmm. you know, that might be another way. Hey, you want to speak up, but for some reason, every time you do it in a conference room with 10 people in it, everybody turn everybody, you know, turns their brains off, you know, (laughs) or I don't know how to communicate or I'm too nervous or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, but maybe going and taking the time to talk to all 10 of those people individually is a better form of gaining influence. Yeah, Um, absolutely. You got to find your strength that way, you know. Find your I I love that
1: idea. Yeah, find it. And, And I think play to that, too. Like you should, as you said, like you should be working on maybe where you have some weaknesses in gaining that influence but definitely play to the strengths that you have if you are better just like that lovely example you gave if you're better at working on the one-on-one sort of way do that uh, play to that and work work towards that but at the same time you can you know slightly work on how you could be better at presenting things in a bigger crowd cuz it it's going to be hard you know talking to all of those people all the time um, it's going to yeah. take longer to gain that you know influence with them but that's that's really awesome i think that's great
0: Oh, and so, by the yeah. way, it's episode twenty two with Allison Zubal on how to speak up. Go into more oh, detail nice. on that. Episode twenty two.
1: Twenty two, and it's such a good one. Lots of great advice in there. So that's 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 how you speak up. <laughs> I think so for sure.
0: <laughs> I mean the other the other part of this whole thing is just getting over your fear, right? Like that's that's another big thing of just you know, sometimes you just have to be brave. And you just have to say something, you know. Yeah. And you maybe maybe you don't know how much influence you have because you've never said anything, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I think sometimes there's just that yeah, just that sheer thing of like, oh, I just I need to say it. It's bothering me. I need to say it, and it's better. It's going to be better for me to get it out. Um, no, you know. So I think I think log. I think I don't. Know, my personal philosophy is it's better to communicate it and be wrong. Than to not communicate it at all hmm. um, and so i i don't I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing but it but if you're too if you're too worried about the ramifications of what could happen if I say something, then you're probably never going to say anything yeah. and if you never say anything you're never going to move the needle at all right uh-huh so you're just making a you're just making big assumptions at that point in your brain <clears throat>
1: I, I like that a lot. I I think that, so that resonates with me a lot personally. Like I, you know, Patrick, I'm I'm more of a quiet person. I am not, you know, a, a very outgoing individual. Um, and I've always struggled with that sort of thing. Like, yeah, I'm always afraid to say things. I've always been, uh, afraid that if I say the wrong thing, then everyone's going to hate me. And, you know, all the worst things are going to happen. <laughs> but I think like, as I have been like, you know, as as I've grown in my career and I've had more experience kind of being encouraged to do those things or just like just taking the leap. And as you said, just try to be a little bit brave to do it. Like each time I have, even if I, you know, didn't always get it right it was actually okay. you know. Like I was never, you know, like fired or anything. If I didn't say something eloquently, uh, if it wasn't, you know, clearly understood by people, it, it's been okay. And I, I got that time to practice, you know, and I got time to get better doing that. So I have always struggled with the communication thing. And, um, I think just the more times i've just stuck my neck out and done it it's been a better experience and i realized that people are they're okay uh they're not going to treat you horribly typically if you you know if you mess up or you don't know, say it right or say the wrong thing for example so i, I like yeah. what you're saying like it's it's okay to to make that mistake and say the wrong thing um because that that has definitely been my experience personally in my career
0: Yeah. Well, and the interesting part about communication, it's not, it's not always vocalized, right? It's like nonverbal communication is probably, if not as powerful, more powerful, right? Like I've had experiences in the past where I've had something on my mind and wanted an answer from the rest of the team or something. Right. And so. I'm like, okay, well, if I ask him this way, if I ask him this way, like, you're, you're trying to figure out, like, the best way to ask this person. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Um, but, and, and, like, I had, there's been experiences where in the back of your mind is like, well, what if I say this and they all just kind of roll their eyes and ignore me, you know? And it's like, well, that's still an answer, right? Like, so if you if you bring up something in a meeting and, you know, that's, that's important to you as a UX designer or something and and you bring it up and everybody in the meeting discounts it, then then I think you've received your answer as far as how they feel about the thing that you're bringing up, right? And whether, whether, they, whether they reciprocate it back to you directly, like, no, I think that's a dumb idea because mm-hmm. I don't believe in UX. Like, that's not the answer you're going to get. Most of the time, if it's a negative answer, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get some nonverbal communication. You're going to get people putting their heads back in their – computers or you're gonna be you know people turn you off or tune you out right yeah like you have to be aware of that when you speak up as well to know like especially if you're seeking if you're speaking up to sort of seek answers or or something like that to get you know i think i think you got to pay attention to that non-verbal communication because <laughs> it's very telling <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. That's awesome. So I <laughs> didn't consider that. The first when you started talking about nonverbal communication, I, I wasn't exactly sure where you were going with that. Like, <laughs> do you like do you like have like like I don't know. Like when you walk over to somebody and you just like give them a look, you're just like Man. let's let's have our one on one just through our facial expressions, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or maybe we're, we're like having interpretive dance as our way of communicating things yeah. um, what, you just what stand you're saying up and
0: start moving your arms around yeah.
1: I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense though it makes a lot more sense than what I was considering so that's good to know but um, yeah you should just it's definitely just like, it's just like when cues. we're
0: presenting yeah like <laughs> when we when you're presenting work to a user and you show them you show them uh, your first mock-up right of some uh-huh. feature and their eyes light up right? Mm -hmm. like that's we pay attention to those things as ux designers you should pay attention to those things is when you're when you're speaking up when you're in meetings you can tell a lot about how other people feel uh simply by how they react to what you say or what you're presenting yeah right rather than them saying anything at all and so i think i think you'll you know if you're too if you're too worried about what people are going to say or how they're going to react um you know just understand that their reaction is important to mm-hmm. you know their, their reaction is important to your next you know discussion point or whatever you're talking about right so that's
1: a really interesting point i think a lot of that comes with um just awareness of a conversation it's not just the things that you're saying but it's also being aware of how it's being perceived uh mm-hmm. how they're they're either they're they're hearing <laughs> or they're, they're taking the information that you're, you're, you know, spitting out. Right. So I I think that's really important to be very self-aware about that because you could be a person that's just, you think you have all the influence in the world. You just get up and you just speak. No one's listening to you ever. (laughs) You could be totally that, that person. And yeah, you'd get nothing out of that. Right. I think they would just like, as you said, just bury their heads back in their computers and just, you know, shut you out. And then but you feel like, yeah, they totally heard me (laughs) and um, I got my point across all that sort of stuff. So I I think that's really important to be uh, self-aware and also be very aware of how other people are perceiving that information. So that's that's great. That's that's part of communication. Right, Patrick, I think you have to be aware of that. And sometimes when you're presenting, (laughs) you can kind of be in your own head, very, very worried about the things you're saying. But I think it's it's good to take some time and take some space to allow for uh, for people to react and to you know move forward with that reaction. I think that's great.
0: Have you ever have you ever been at a conference, Andy, where the person presenting is really slick? Like, you know, they're they're they really they're dressed really nice. They look really slick. They got some really like well thought out slides. The topic is really passionate you know for that person and Mm -hmm. everybody in the room everything everything seems to be going well but then you kind of look like you're just bored out of your mind though and you kind of look around at other people and you just see people like you know doing other things like doodling on a notepad or like typing on their you know phone or just kind of looking around the room or (laughs) joking with their buddy like have you ever been have you ever had have you ever experienced something like that
1: yeah i think i have yeah we're where somebody is is very into what they're talking about, but not aware that nobody else cares about it. Yeah, I think I've it's <laughs> such
0: a self awareness problem, right? Like, I think I think really good speakers, the speakers that I've that I've that I've enjoyed the most, you know, like design speakers or you know, business speakers, you know, that kind of stuff. They're the people that know how to sort of like read the room and make adjustments to what they're doing and what they're speaking about. Um, And being aware of it. Right. And I I feel like that's I feel like all the really great stand up comics are probably the most self-aware human beings on the planet, Mm -hmm. because I think that's how to be to be at that kind of level. You have to understand that when I I might have 20 jokes lined up and I think they're all going to kill and I tell three of them and they all bomb. I've got another 40 minutes to fill and I'm not going to keep going with these jokes that aren't working. So I've got to figure out another way around it. Right. Yeah. And so you have to, you have to say something and then react and then, and then see the reaction. And I think that's important, not even when you're presenting, but when you're in a one-on-one with somebody and you're, you know, trying to present them an idea about a project that you're working on, I think it's important to, to give them little bites of content like that and, and see how they react. And it doesn't have to be a conversation, right? It's it's little stuff. It's like, hey, I want to present my manager with the idea that I I want to be, you know, I want to start pursuing a management career or something like that. You know, instead of coming at them with, like, a whole bullet list. I mean, I've done this in the past, right? <laughs> like, you come at them with, like, a whole bullet list of, hey, here's why you should, you know, turn me into a design manager whatever. You know, number one, <laughs> number two, number three, blah, 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 blah. Well, like, you don't know how the person's day is going. You don't know, like, any of that. You have no idea. So if you sat down with them and you said, hey, I've been thinking about, you know, maybe pursuing a career in design management. And then sort of pause and wait and see how they react. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that's sort of how you fill out, like, is this the right time? Is this the right audience? Is this the right everything for that? Right. And you can always spin it off. And, you know, if you say something like that and they're like, yeah, man, I. Yeah, it's whatever. I, I, like, I don't got time for this, or, or the reaction is like, oh, you know, they roll their eyes, you know. Then you're like, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. It's not, you know, like I think you've got your answer, and then you yeah. can maneuver from there. So like, being self aware with that, and 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 sort of, you know, being able to, you know, to, the phrase read the room, right? Like be able mm-hmm. to read the room and and figure out like everybody, like you you spent. 10 hours putting together this freaking kick-ass presentation but everybody's bored out of their mind for some reason you know Um, yeah maybe it's because you're just reading your presentation and not actually whatever (laughs) it is right but like just being self-aware such a huge thing to be self-aware especially when communicating
1: yeah and that's so awesome and i think that is definitely not something that's easy to do for everybody being able to like kind of pivot just on the fly like especially when you've like taken so much time and so much practice like getting this thing ready to go to present and then like oh what am i going to do now because nobody's listening to it i could just get through this and then go you know hide in shame (laughs) or try to try to do that i think that's hard to do i would say that's something that that kind of stresses me out as a person like having to do that on the fly (laughs) but i think it can come with practice i think like over time you can get better at that as you are a little bit more open and as you again are like very self-aware i I loved your analogy um, to the comedians i really like i think the comedians that i really like the most are the ones that involve the audience not exactly a conversation but they they do involve them and and that way they get like these these amazing moments that are always different in each. like if you like go watch their stand-up you know it different venues or whatever, they get like a different experience each time because they're like involving people, they're, they're talking to people making fun of different people in the audience. Um, I think like, if you, if you do something along those lines and kind of be very self-aware of what's going on, how people are reacting to your work or or to your content, I think that it'll definitely help with that. (laughs) Definitely takes a lot of practice, stresses me the crap out, but that's awesome.
0: Well, and I think I think the reason why it stresses us out is because we don't plan enough. I think the people yeah. that are the best at being spontaneous are actually probably the best planners. At least at least up here in their brains, right? They've sort of you know, figured out or planned different avenues, you know. It's like there there was a guy uh at, I think he was at a WordPress conference and he talked about, you know, like, like plan your presentation to make sure that you could skip any of the slides at any point in time. <laughs> like, and I, and I, I kind of like that concept of like, cause it does make you more spontaneous yeah. right? if you've, if you've planned to be that way, you know, if, if you plan, like if you're a comedian, you plan, they, they obviously plan out a bunch of jokes, right. And have like a whole set mm-hmm. and then they tweak them as they go and all that kind of stuff which is the exact same thing right it's they're planning to be spontaneous they're planning to be able to move oh that didn't work i'm gonna move here you know yeah they don't have to like think of something on the fly because it it already exists they've planned for the scenario and i think i think that really relieves stress and according to my therapist that relieves anxiety when you plan out (laughs) things right andy so yeah (laughs) just you just got to be a better planner see
1: better planner awesome that's that's how you speak up patrick and that is how you be heard (laughs) be a better planner it comes down to that
0: (laughs) yeah or go listen to episode number 22 yeah how to how to speak up featuring allison zubal back in the day november of 2018
1: man oh so long ago
0: back when we were kids
1: (laughs) things were so different back then patrick but the advice the advice i think stays the same I don't think that that changes. Yeah. So, uh, go listen to it, dear listener. <laughs> Did we okay. do it, Patrick? Did we answer uh, our anonymous uh, listeners' question? Do you think?
0: I, th- I think so. Me too. If I was to if I was to rate that advice on an episode <laughs> on, on a scale on an episode on a scale of like <laughs> one to ten. And, you know, I would say we did probably like a three or a four. Uh-huh. And then if you take <laughs> this episode now and you go listen to episode 22, I think we're going to be up there eight, nine.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. With with Allison's help, I think we we have done a good job <laughs> this, yeah. by saying, go go listen to that episode. <laughs> we we got a lot more points with that. <laughs> That's perfect.
0: Yeah. Send us your beefs. Send us your beefs. Send us your topics and your beefs. (laughs) Yeah,
1: look forward to those.
0: I'm looking forward to recording this uh, jingle.
1: (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I mean, you kind of already did. It was just perfect. The first time it was ever uttered, it was like the perfect recording of your jingle. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but we need some kind of like, you know, piano music or something in the background. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, since something.
1: it's a jingle, this has to be like the 80s, 90s sort of piano, saxophone yeah. music in the background.
0: Yeah. Something, right? Mm-hmm. I can't, jingles can't be, you know, just like acapella, right? I think that's what they call it in the music world.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. I'm trying to think of one that might be acapella right now. What about that like the nationwide is on your side jingle? Isn't that one kind of a cappella? Yeah,
0: that's that's true. I think that's just that's just a person singing it, right?
1: Yeah. So Hmm. I think you have you have a lot you can go with, Patrick.
0: Yeah. Maybe we just maybe I just do a couple of different uh, you know, harmonies on top of it. You know? Yeah. Like do a like like do a low one. I can't remember it now, but do like a low version and like a little bit higher version and then I'll just put them all together and then it'll be like this really robust vocalized experience.
1: Wow. I think one that comes to mind for me that I think could be similar to that is the, the baby back ribs jingle. <laughs> that one is so good. <laughs> just, just, and that's it's like the ultimate earworm. It totally yeah. is. Just because just... that like that deep, that deep you know barbecue sauce voice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great, man. That one
0: is
1: I want to go listen to it right now.
0: <laughs> man. Is it on Spotify? Can we pull it up? Good question. You find it on YouTube. you can find everything on YouTube. Everything yeah. that's good. And everything that's horrible is on YouTube. <laughs> okay, Andy. Let's tie this one off. Okay.
1: Uh, let's do it. Let's,
0: uh, let's tie it off. Send us your beefs. Go see Cruella. That's a good movie. And uh, <laughs> be safe out there. You just
1: like pull that out of nowhere. uh yeah I, I want to hear your thoughts on Cruella, patrick it sounds like you've seen it but let's not it talk was about good. it was good. it was good it was good that's all we're that. gonna say yeah <laughs> <have> Cruella.
0: <laughs> best pg-13 pg movie i've ever seen in my life nice
1: yeah i've heard good things i, I should go check it out so i'll have to yeah, go see, go see Cruella, everybody. That's, that was our in-depth review of Cruella.
0: <laughs> uh, be safe. Have fun. Yeah. Call your mom every once in a while, too. Jeez. I know life is, you know, busy, but just take a minute. Call your mom. Don't send nice. her a text. Oh, and it's your dad, too. I mean, come on. Like, your dad's a part of that. Whoever raised you, let's say in society... Whoever raised you, whoever is your mother and father figure, yeah. I don't know who they are, but reach out to them. Just give them a call.
1: Wow. Sound advice, man. You know, just that's great. I don't think we've given better advice before. Just go call your mom and your dad. That's awesome. Whoever raised you, yeah. Go, <laughs> go tell them what's up. I should go do that now. It's been a little bit. So I'm going yeah, to go call, call your me. mom, Andy. I'm going to do that.
0: Go call your mother figure. <laughs> You gotta be all careful right, these days you
1: know yeah you gotta be careful that's true i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna call her so i'm just gonna hang up on you right now
0: get my okay. phone out bye see ya <laughs> say hi to your mom. say hi to your mother for me
1: i'll say hi to my mother for you and for all the <laughs> listeners of the podcast too i'm gonna say they all they all say yeah. hi uh they all miss her and love her so i'll do that
0: she's gonna love that so much yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> bye patrick <laughs>
0: okay see you then. Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to slash contacts and fill out the form. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it guys, now have a good week design nerds.